It might get loud. It might light a fire within you. It's all hands on deck. Now, for your listening pleasure, 94.9 News Now presents Mean Chet Martin, the Long Island redneck Brian Bro, and fearless C.V. Burton. This is Freedom on Deck. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Freedom on Deck on 94.9 News Now and Stimulating Talk. Mean Chet Martin here with you, and as always, the fearless one himself, Mr. C.V. Burton. Masks are like G-strings. They don't prevent anything. <laughs> Ooh, that's uh, exciting. I gotta tell you. The, <laughs> I thought I'd start off with a back. joke. They did. Listen, uh, Brian is out. Brian's gonna be out for a little while. He's got like this crazy school session. Now that he's going to New Hampshire, it's we'll talk to him when he comes back. Um, I talked to him the other day, and uh, I just said, "Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out." So that's the beauty of Freedom on Deck. We we pick each other up when we're down. He's a dirty we... stay out. That's what he is. <laughs> That's what it is. Listen, we got some really cool guests coming up. Of course, end of the show around 7, Barry Schwartz. If you didn't miss it, last week, CV had a great interview about the Shroud of the Turan. And uh, I, everybody is really stoked to hear that second part. I am. And because I thought you did a great job, CV. So oh, that thanks. part towards the end of the program and i i was really interested uh in everything that he had to say and the proof and what it really led his life to and i think that's going to be a, a really good discussion and we also have reggie little john coming on she's on with us as a regular guest now and bob swick now bob swick writes a weekly blog called swick speak it's in connecticut he's been doing it for 13 years he's really up on connecticut politics he's up on turning the dems out and bringing in the right people and the true patriots and it's going to be interesting to have him on he's doing national and he's also going to do a little ct politics we're going to have him on for two segments and then it, that'll lead into barry's interview with cv towards the end of the program if that makes any sense to you uh you're better than me <laughs> listen i wanted to just get into this uh shooting at the subway in brooklyn all right, and I, I, I really am disappointed a little bit. We know that this dirt bag was saw on Thursday to see uh, the charges that were going to be brought forward. Now, uh, this guy's a total racist, obviously. They wanted to cover this as a gun issue, and it quickly became obvious that they couldn't, even though they still tried. The media wanted to make this about the gun. Now, the man that went into the subway and was attempting to shoot people that he didn't like because of the color of their skin, is a black nationalist. Now, the, the disappointing part of all this is the New York Post and others, and some media magazines, some outlets, social media outlets as well, uh, from Breitbart to others, aren't pointing this out. If you go into the background of this guy, it's pretty obvious. First of all, his social media was littered with anti-white messaging. He said that anybody, I mean, these are direct quotes from his pages, any black with a white should be killed, uh, that uh, any white male or white uh, female should be killed, 
this was really disgusting stuff, but his ties into one of the black nationalist groups have gone greatly unreported. Now, there were a few shows, and a few of the national shows that are heard on 94.9 during the week in particular, Dana Lash on Thursday that pointed out that he was a black nationalist. Now, <clears throat> we can we can talk up and down about race relations in this country. We can point out sides. We can point the finger at one another. But the fact of the matter is, there has been an uptick in crimes coming from black males in a direction of, usually, racism. Most of the time, they're trying to kill people that are either Chinese, Japanese, Oriental, and of Asian descent, Asians. And uh, that has gone greatly unreported. I, I could actually drag probably about 40 to 50 articles out from the New York area inside of Queens and Brooklyn that would show you that these attacks on Asian Americans are occurring. I'm sorry to tell you, it's it's happening all from folks in the black community throughout New York. Now, if I'm going to get any pushback, if people are going to get ticked off, I've said it on the Lee Elsie show, I've said it here, this is a problem that we either deal with or the consequences will become greater. And CV, this guy went out to kill people because of the color of their skin. He's obviously a terrible shot. He's a disgusting, fat, lazy-looking piece of garbage. And um, all this stuff that has been building up, the guy, the guy posted for 15 years about on social media how much he hates white people and Asians, and people are surprised by all this. But this black nationalist uh, propaganda that's been going on over the last few years, it's got to be brought to the forefront. People need to address this stuff. Well, Frank James, he's 62 years old. He fired 33 rounds, right? Yeah, yeah, in, in the subway. And uh, none of them got killed. And he left 29 innocent strap hangers injured. The question is, um, was he trying not to kill, but only trying just to injure? Why? He turned himself in and was smirking when he was arrested. Why? Sound like a system of a down song. Media yeah. outlets uh, left out his eth- ethnicity. Yep. On purpose, and in protecting yep. the eth- ethnic identity, the left stream media engaged in the very bigotry they falsely accused patriots as having. And I had a conversation with the wife today about the fact that uh, a. a a large number of African Americans are targeting Asians, and she she corrected me. She said, "Oh yeah, and uh, and Jews too. You know, Orthodox Jews." And I'm like, oh, and, yeah. and, I, and I said, "You know, I think I have a theory. It's because those minorities are making the African community, the African American community, look bad <laughs> because Asians and Jews kick ass when it comes to education." And capitalism and thriving and they're generally successful and they and they're minorities. How come they're not victims of the hierarchy of white uh, nationalists and all this bull propaganda crap? They're not victims of it because they because it it's not true. That's why. Well, and they also target 
these folks because they're told to. The the, yep. the liberal, left-leaning, very uh, disturbed liberals that are whack jobs often tell black folks if they are if they disagree with their policies they're not really black first of all and second of all their house you know what's and all these other derogatory nasty terms that they use against people like herschel walker who's a great american by the way who deserves nothing but uh high praise and this is why that community stays in the doldrums that you were talking about because so many they fear saying, hey, I don't subscribe to that. I don't feel that way. One time, you know, there was a rally that Trump had, and there was a lot of young black folks that were there, and he was saying, man, it feels good to be able to wear my uh, my MAGA hat because in my community, they would, they'd, they'd probably shoot me. He was being serious. So this is, this is that other aspect of it where the folks that are being geared towards hatred and... Uh, ire and anger and attacking those that look different and talk different and maybe think differently politically and ideologically why they're telling them hey listen those are bad people if you're with them you're against us how do we know that's a big part of the problem how do we know that he wasn't bribed to go in there and shoot up people without killing them so that they can have a gun issue to further take away our gun rights. You know, they could have said, oh, well, we're going to leave, uh, you know, $900,000 to your family when you're gone, and we'll, and we'll put that in, in a safe deposit box. Well, this guy doesn't look very bright. I think that would come out. You know, I, I don't know. I know that there are, to be fair, there are people in critical condition. Someone can still die. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll, I and I don't know if that's updated. Maybe somebody will tell us. Well, 30, whether 33 it's rounds and nobody's dead. That's a little to me. No, I know. And and the it is just you know what even Lee said that Lee usually doesn't go that way. Mm. And uh, you know a lot of the people shot in the leg. There's a lot of people shot in the leg. You make a good point. I think that yeah, my shot uh, in the leg. And there were and uh, most of them were Asian, by the way. I I looked at the video. We'll come back with segment two. Um, this one, obviously, we're going to talk about more uh, probably towards the end of the show. Don't go anywhere. Freedom on deck. Welcome back to Freedom on Deck 94.9. News now and stimulating talk. Reggie Littlejohn is up next. We're going to be talking about an article she put out really condemning what's going on in China right now and the way that the Democrats have basically rolled over. So listen, we're going to be talking a little bit about President Joe Biden performing poorly in the polls. It's not new, CV, but they keep getting worse and worse, as low as some 31 percent and biden himself claimed his press conference earlier this year i don't believe the polls yeah (laughs) Yeah. and i've to be fair i've said that too 
yeah. with some of the fake polls that they put out when when Trump was president. And then when it got to, you know, when we were doing so well that they had to officially be like, all right, he is doing good in the polls. Uh, Joe Biden, not only is he so low that this is record setting, it's been the consecutive months mm. being in the 30s. <laughs> this has never this has never happened before. It, I believe right here, and what it says, this is coming from uh, Real Clear Politics. Seven months where Joe Biden has been eking in the mid to late 30s, and this is a national poll. I don't know whether they went and polled in New York or Kentucky or I I don't know. Uh, it's a Rasmussen poll that they're using in Real Clear. And it is as low as 31% right now. If that doesn't tell you that this country is not approving of this man's job, I don't know what else does, CV. And not only is he weak when it comes to the economy, there's nothing else he's good at. He's screwed everything else up. If you want to view it that way, I think he's done it for a reason. I think the puppet masters want us to be uh, basically destroyed. But, uh, man, this is just a joke of an administration. And he has low approval numbers in all demographics. And, um, you know, this was nearly a 10-point drop from last week. You know? know. He had like 34% last week with Hispanics. And now he's got like like 26% now. And... According to the data, only 12% of Hispanics uh, approve strongly of Biden, uh, of his performance as president. Um, And, you know, Puerto Ricans, I I heard uh, somebody being interviewed about this and she made a good point. She said Puerto Ricans are told they are Democrats when they come to the mainland. But in a short time, they figure out that they relate more with Republicans once they get into a a free and open society. Where they could thrive, and you know they they they're generally religious people, and uh, they don't like abortions and things like that, and they also they don't want to be marginalized. You know the the ethical Hispanics don't want to be marginalized by the unethical ones. You know when they're busting their their ass trying to you know make a living and doing it the right way, and then you have these uh, illegals coming in making all Hispanics look bad. Living off the public dole. Well, when you have uh, the Catholic organizations like Catholic Charities and and in, in general, uh, the Catholics in the United States, they've tried to make it better for them to try to bring in the Hispanic voters by pushing abortion and all these other crazy, you know, and, and gay marriage, all these other crazy. Not that I have anything against it. I'm just saying it doesn't belong in the church. Uh, but but they say to them, well, we're changing. And, you know, that pushes them away. But uh, I think uh, you make a great point that when a lot of these folks come to the mainland, as you would say, come to America to do better, uh, we have to have a better voice out there to tell them, listen, that stuff is not good. It's the same stuff you were trying to get away from. This is socialism. It'll be good f- at first. It'll look really great. And in the end, of course, it won't, because right now, what we have an economy on life support, uh, when we had a thriving economy under Donald J. Trump for four years, we had an economy that was kicking ass. Mm. And right now, it's a joke for anybody. I think anyone defending the Biden administration 
for anything, for the withdrawal of Afghanistan, for his handling on the economy, for the energy uh, and for the pipeline that he screwed up totally, and also for his handling of the Ukraine, Russia, giving Putin a direct oil pipeline, which was, by the way, his doing. I don't, you know, I'm totally sick of you guys trying to link Trump to Putin somehow. Obviously, that was never true. And uh, we have China getting away with everything. America is not America first anymore, CV. It's America last. And this is the reason why Russia is invading Ukraine right now, because the Biden administration pretty much encouraged it, in my opinion. It, yeah. it's it's the wet it's a it's a, the classic wag the dog routine to make of us uh, look away from the poll numbers which are devastating and by the way when he says he doesn't believe the polls uh he knows that the polls are fake but it's more pointed when the polls are bad for the democrats because they're always fake when they're trying to make the democrats look good so and then um the Biden administration also pulled out of Afghanistan in a in a weird, abrupt way. Uh, also, because of the poll numbers were bad, in my opinion. So they they tried to capitalize on on Trump's you know ending the war in Afghanistan, but they did it because they don't understand Trump's policies whatsoever. They just know that they're popular, so they so they they jump on board not knowing what they're doing. It's like a, like a blind yeah. man trying to play baseball. And it's always a stupid point, too. And I don't mean to jump on this guy. And I know, you know, probably Lee gets sick of me bringing his name up because he's on with Lee on Wednesdays, Le Boutelier. Uh, it, this, this week, he tried to pivot the failed Afghanistan withdrawal to Trump and said, well, Trump wanted to do it and Biden said he would, so he did. Well, first of all, first of all, Trump wasn't in office. So stop trying to volley everything off to Trump and make this guy look better. He's a piece of crap. Right. Second of all, Laboulier, you are not a conservative. You are a you're a communist. That's what you are. Stop yep. pretending that you're some kind of uh, great conservative warrior. He's so much better than Donald Trump. Donald Trump's not a Republican. He's not. I don't get. We didn't vote for him for that reason. You nitwit. And the 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 thing is, man, CV. He said Donald Trump said. Yes, I said I wanted us to get out of Afghanistan. I did have a date and a timeline. It wasn't going to happen. Now, these quotes were made during, and if anybody was paying attention, during the awful, awful back and forth that they had in the debates that was awful because of the people that were doing the debates, Donald Trump said multiple times, and when... And when Joe Biden was saying, well, you haven't gotten us out of Afghanistan yet. And Donald Trump said, we can't leave. He said it to Biden on the debate stage. We're not there. Yet when Biden went into office and he withdrew and we got out of Afghanistan and there are still a lot of Americans there right now that are going to be murdered because of Joe Biden and this administration. Now, all of a sudden, that moron General Miley comes out and he says, you know what? What's happening in the Ukraine probably was a little inspired by what we did in Afghanistan. And you know what? Lee asked John LeBoutlier about that, and he volleyed the question away. He wouldn't even regard it. These people are sick people, CV. And this reminds me when he was trying to capitalize on another popular Trump policy, make it, you know, made in America. He was <laughs> Biden was making a speech. He was talking about made. It's that simple phrase, made in America. Yeah, you can say it, but you don't, uh, you don't. Uh, 
implement it whatsoever. And he's like, yeah, simple phrase, made in America. And then a bird pooped right on his shoulder, right, <laughs> right on camera, exactly when he said that. All this dirt, all the stuff that's being drug up about his pedophile son, all the news images they have on the hard drives, that's all coming out, guys. We have got a compromised, uh, basically diluted man leading the country. Mm-hmm. It's it's a sad fact that this this uh, election in 2020 was rigged. They force this guy on us, and what do they do? As soon as they force him on us, they start putting up all the regulations for COVID. They make all these regulations on our energy. They pull out of Afghanistan prematurely. Biden starts saying, well, you know what? Putin's going to invade. He kept saying it month after month after month, basically saying, hey, Putin, will you invade already? Unreal. Reggie Littlejohn's up next. Don't go anywhere. Freedom on deck, 94.9 News Now and Stimulating Talk. Deck.com 94.9 News Now and Stimulating Talk FOD. You know, you always want to go and check us out on FreedomOnDeck.com and some of our great, great listeners love to go back and listen to our great, great guests. And one of our more popular guests over the last year is Reggie Littlejohn. Reggie Littlejohn is the president of Women's Rights Without Frontiers. And the reason I started that off with you, Reggie, is because you have become really popular amongst our listeners, and they always love what you have to offer, especially when it comes to some of the hotter topics that we don't get to discuss as much as I'd like to. So I wanted to give you a kudos for that. Oh, thank you so much, Chet, and thanks to you, your listeners as well. They must be very brave people because I talk <laughs> about a lot of uh, tough stuff. We are brave people. This show, uh, this sh- this show doesn't pull any punches. And that's why we love having you on the program. But I was reading your new piece, and it's up on the Right to Life and News Today, National Right to Life News Today. And the title is Biden Budget Increases the UNFPA Funding Without Restrictions to China. Now, now you get into the numbers here. First of all, what's the UNFPA for all the listeners out there? Why is this a concern? And And from what I can see... This is something that the Reagan, Bush, and Trump administrations all defunded, yet Joe Biden is going full bore with funding this. So tell us about the UNFPA and what's going on here, Reggie. So the UNFPA is the United Nations Family Planning Fund, and um, it, it, it's supposed to be supporting women's so-called reproductive rights, you know, internationally, but one of the big problems is that they have been working hand in hand with the Chinese Communist Party 
um, their population control machine from the almost from the very beginning of, of the one child policy. And so that's why, as you say, that the Reagan, Bush and Trump administrations have all defunded the UNFPA because it's a violation of something called the Kemp-Kasten Amendment. And what the Kemp-Kasten Amendment is, is very it, 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 it's, it's very simply it prohibits any U.S. funding to go to any organization or program as determined by the United States, which supports or participates in the management of a program of coercive or involuntary sterilization. So that's the thing. Unfortunately, this is left up to the discretion of the president. So that's why Biden and other uh, Democrat presidents have funded it. But what it does is it says that, that, that the United States cannot be funding any organization that that supports the management of coercive population control. So the UNFPA has come back and said, well, we don't directly, you know, we don't force people to have abortions. We don't directly do forced sterilizations, but that's not the standard. The standard is that, you, that they don't have to be doing it directly. All they need to be doing is supporting the management of a program that does that. And they certainly are doing that. In fact, um, they gave their, in 1983, they gave their top award to the head of the National Family Planning Commission. Um, and th that was one of the, in 1983, China was at the height of its forced abortion of women and uh, up to the ninth month of pregnancy, forced sterilizations, really? all of that. Yeah, oh yeah, this was the height of the brutality of the one-child policy. How close, are we, how close are we to that right now? Okay, so there, we are not at the level that we were in 1983 okay. um, of that many forced abortions. So they've gone from a one-child policy to a two-child policy to a three-child policy to worrying about the fact that they really don't have enough young people um, and, and really kind of pressuring people to have babies. But according to a, a, a report from the – I think it's from the Congressional Executive Commission on China that came out just like a week ago – yeah. Very recent. It, it, what um, women in China continue to face forced abortion and sterilization, even under the three-child policy, and this is especially the case in Xinjiang, where the Chinese Communist Party is is uh, conducting genocide against the Uyghur population. So the UNFPA has never taken a strong stand about this. I mean, they should have been instead of me. You know, and it's a lot too. This is a tune of. Uh... The numbers are here in the article, and I also want you to be able to tell everybody where to go and, and read the, up on that. But, um, you know, you're absolutely right. You deserve a lot of kudos for what you do because not enough people are out there doing this, and I'm glad that you're doing it because it's God's work. But but in any case, um, this is money that is it's United Nations money. So the United Nations is, is very... Um, you know, I don't know what you say, woke or whatever you want to call them. Um, Global. And, and they are, yeah, and, and they are the the um, Chinese Communist Party, the, the uh, China portion of this is not the, the only country that they fund. They, they fund projects all over the world. Some of them are good projects. But this is the thing that that they say. And, and by the way, the numbers are the Biden administration is proposing a 72 percent increase in this funding to you to the UNFPA from 32.5 million to 56 million. Oh, so they're increasing it even worse. 72%. There has I mean, to be a, a reason they're doing that. 
They well, must be getting pressure, or they're getting an- something's something. You know, you they, all, you they're scratching the backs, speculate. right? Yeah, you you can always speculate that the Chinese Communist Party, you know, had, that's infiltrated virtually every aspect of our society mm. is is exerting pressure on 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 them. Um, but maybe they, they have some pictures of Hunter. <laughs> Maybe you think so? Maybe, uh, maybe. So, but but so this is the thing: is that um, they had been contending that they that uh, that their places where they were were the places where they were promoting you know voluntary, uh, non coercive uh, family planning, and then this other organization, the Population Research Institute, sent somebody into some of those. Um, at least one of those areas that, where the UNFPA had been and found that there was terrible coercion, including forced abortion there, possibly even worse than in other areas. So this is the thing is that there's a lack of transparency and they can say all they want about, oh, well, we don't perform forced abortions. You don't have to you don't have to be the doctor that is performing the forced abortion to be responsible for, for it. If you are the organization that is providing money to buy the computers that are tracking women's menstrual cycles and you're paying the rent in the building and you're funding, you know, the, 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 the police cars that are picking up these poor women off the street, which is what, what was happening during the eighties. Um, so it is, you know, you don't have to be performing it directly to be supporting the management of an organization that, that is imposing coercive population control. They pick women up off the street. How do they find out these women are pregnant? How does that all okay. work? Okay, so this let's talk about what was happening in, in the 80s. And I, and I think it's still maybe similar now um, in uh, Xinjiang. But th- they used to have, like, quarterly cervical checkups. Oh, okay. Through people's ch- factories. Okay. That you would have to, you know, they would, and, 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 I have a picture of a woman who was late for her cervical checkup, um, who was beaten with like hoses or something. And she looks, I mean, it's just unbelievable what happened to her. Um, another woman, I have a picture of, she was late for her cervical checkup and they forced her parents to tear down her home. I have a, a picture of her standing in front of her home that her parents were forced to tear down because she was late for her cervical checkup. So, you know, they 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 were mon- closely monitoring women's menstrual menstrual cycles, and then if you didn't show up for your your checkup, um, you know, they would go after you. They had these things called family planning raids where they would find out about women um, who oh. were I- illegally pregnant. They had they had people snitching on them. Um, so that you could be snitched on by your family, friends, neighbors, coworkers. If, if a woman was uh, illegally pregnant in a factory, her entire group would be punished. So they had every incentive to rat that woman out. I once testified in Congress with a woman who had, I think, seven or eight forced abortions because oh. of, of her coworkers, um, you know, ratting her out. Yeah. About being illegally pregnant, that's how they found out, find out if, if you're pregnant or not. Now, I don't know if that level of coercion is, is continuing in mainland China. I don't think so. But tell everybody where they go and really read this article. It's a great article. Okay, so go to my website. That's womensrightswithoutfrontiers.org. That's womensrightswithoutfrontiers.org. Um, and you can sign our petition 
that's uh, a petition against forced abortion in China. So we already have 40,000, more than 40,000 signatures on that petition. When it gets to be 50,000, I'm going to present it to the Biden administration and just say, you know, we've, we've got to stop funding this UNFPA and you've got to take a stronger stand against forced abortion in China. All right. Thank you so much, Chet. Thank you very much, everybody. That was the one and only Reggie Littlejohn. Don't go anywhere. Freedom on deck, 94.9 News Now and stimulating talk, Fox News Radio. coming on and then right after that piggybacking right after is cv's part two with barry schwartz and uh the shroud wrapping it up man believe the science believe the science and cv also you're going to be putting out an internet version that's going to have even more time yeah like another uh extra 10 or 11 minutes yeah you could do an extra like 10 hours with that. I know that's uh, I said it's, it's a deep deep topic the uh, I loved when you guys were talking about how the image was taken and the yeah. uh the improbability of they didn't have technology that would do that it's yeah it's amazing they didn't understand how, a negative image they could not have right they could, uh, an artist could not have created a negative image it wasn't a concept it, and you brought that only comes that up, up. When, in the in the advent of photography. You brought that up to Barry, and I thought that was a great way you led that into it, and and really the way that it it opened Barry up. To, he didn't want to get started with the project. Yes, you, and he's and, Jewish. And then he did. Yeah, right. He's Jewish, right? But then it opened his eyes to the fact that uh, uh, Jesus Christ was indeed our Savior, and and rose from the grave it's amazing he, he it doesn't, really he, doesn't is. he doesn't exactly say that as much as he does admit the fact that um that jesus was a true historic figure who was crucified and something yes. supernatural happened to that shroud yes so he yes. doesn't he does he doesn't he's he's very scientific and to the point you know right right but that's uh you know that says yourself uh back then i don't know how else that would happen exactly you know <laughs> so listen um Michael Sussman, the, and this comes from the New American Magazine, great publication. We all love the New American. Uh, one of our great friends, Alex, Alex Newman, the New American's on with us all the time. The Clinton campaign lawyer, Michael Sussman, and Buttman, deeply involved with the Russia collusion hoax, is going to stand trial. U.S. District Judge Christopher Cooper denied a motion to dismiss a perjury charge from special counsel John Durham whose indictment of Sussman explains the Clinton-directed hoax to destroy Donald J. Trump. Last week, Durham released the text message that showed Sussman lied to the FBI when he approached the Bureau with manufactured dirt on Trump and said he was not working for Clinton. The lie, the case against Sussman arose from his work for Hillary for America, the failed presidential candidate's campaign outfit. 
I always love hearing failed with Hillary. It's uh, <laughs> something that brings great delight to me. That's, uh, our, middle, that's our middle name, Fail. Me and you are definitely going to be the next hit jobs for Hillary. Uh, <laughs> the can't just don't go walking at night in Marcy Park, CV. The campaign, no, <laughs> the Democrat National Committee, and their hired political hitman, including Sussman, orchestrated the Russia collusion hoax to divert attention from Clinton's illegal use of an email server as part of the conspiracy to destroy Trump. Sussman approached the FBI with damaging information. This was last week's filing for Durham uh, recounted a text from Sussman to FBI General Counsel James Baker on September 18th. This is directly coming from the council uh, at 742. The night before the defendant met with general counsel and defendant conveyed the same line writing and sent the following text message to the general counsel's personal cell phone, the filing alleges. And this is the text that was taken from the phone. Jim, it's Michael Sussman. I have something time sensitive and sensitive I need to discuss. Do you have availability for a short meeting tomorrow? I'm coming on my own, not on behalf of my client or company. I want to help the Bureau. Thanks. The FBI general counsel responded, okay, I'll find time. What might work for you? To which the defendant replied, anytime but lunchtime, you name it. Yet Sussman's billing records reflect that the defendant repeatedly billed the Clinton campaign for his work on Trump's supposed ties to a Russian bank. Durham has explained the hoax in detail and has called what the hoaxers did a conspiracy and joint venture. Um, all right, CV, there's a lot of, there's a lot of jargon in there. That text message really doesn't do too much. It tells us that they were meeting and they said they didn't. And basically that they've been lying the entire time, uh, between what they told the FBI, which isn't a surprise. The FBI lies to us every single day. Yes. Uh, Durham's report came a little too late. What do you make out of all this? Well, let me underline the, the key point in that text. He says, I'm coming on my own, not on behalf of a client or company. That's yep. the lie. And that is perjury. And that's what he's being charged for. And he yep. will go to trial unless he turns state evidence and brings the Clinton world crashing down. So that's what we're that's what we're hoping. Like at first I was a little skeptical. I'm like, why are they going after the, the small you know, the low fruit when they, when, you know, when the higher ups like John Podesta, he's really working with John Podesta. He, that name skates like he, he skates away from everything. But Trump is bringing a Rico case against them all, including John Podesta. And I love that. Um, but this reminds me of the, uh, did you ever hear of Project 65? It's a, yes. it's a well-financed left wing uh, organization, uh, a, a, a group of many different organizations coming together to target any of Trump's lawyers that have the unmitigated audacity to question the election. <laughs> and they, they go after the small lawyers first. And and that's a way to intimidate. And they're not just, they're, they're trying to punish them and also digitally disappear them and ban them off of Twitter, ban them off of YouTube, ban them off of everything. Yeah. Facebook. Yeah. And disappear them and smear them. And now that that sh- that project 65 that should come under a Rico case too because that's illegal. You you cannot intimidate lawyers. That is totally totally they corrupt. They shouldn't be, they shouldn't they shouldn't be targeting any American 
for, uh, you know, and the thing about it is, yeah, you're absolutely right. And these lawyers should come together and, and file some charges against 65. But they, they target us. They say we're terrorists. They say we're, we're conspiracy theorists. We're hoaxers. We're this, we're that, we're the other. All this yeah. stuff was very well thought out and plotted. On Thursday, General, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry. Colonel Rob Simmons went on with Lee Elsie. There's a book in particular that he's reading from. All the experts that were written and what happened actually on January 6th with the FBI infiltrating that event. And mm -hmm. the fact of the matter is there were not a couple or a few sprinkled in. There were mass amounts of leftist agitators at that event. And one of the things that Colonel Rob Simmons pointed out was some of the people that were caught on camera that were later uh, a a available to be identified as either a propagandist of the left or a member of Black Lives Matter and Antifa, one of the certain individuals that were saying, we got this, we're going to, you know, we're going to burn the blank down. This was, I, I don't have his name with me, forgive me on that, and I'll try to get the name of the book. This has all been coming out. This has been a big smear campaign. And what happened on January 6th was put into motion because we were putting into motion the fact that the 2020 election had been rigged and that Donald J. Trump had his presidency stolen from him. And now the way they're dealing with it is they're making us politi uh, political enemies and making people political prisoners and taking away all of their rights, E.V. This is all done by intimidation, and they're all working together. The top floor of the entire FBI are left-wing agitators. They work on behalf of the Democrat Party alone, and they are politicized. What are they doing to the January 6th people? They didn't go in there with weapons. They didn't have any weapons, and I saw a video of uh, police officers holding the door open for them. You mothers, you want to have lawfare? You want to have lawfare? Come and get it. Because you know what? The law is on our side. Let's go to trial. You know, this. That also, uh, some of the folks that they tried to throw charges at, and one guy's like, I wasn't even there. I mean, they, 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 they <laughs> totally botch all this. And yet these people are still in jail. We're going to talk yeah. about a little bit about one of these cases later. These folks are still losing time with their children, their how wives, they're treated, their home, their businesses. How they're treated is disgraceful. Totally. They, they, their Bill of Rights is totally trampled on. You know, that one guy that was uh, in the FBI, he had that evil look on his face when he was uh, yeah. being cross-examined. Mm -hmm. I can't think of his name. It looks like he likes to sniff his own struck, part. Struck, 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 whatever his name is. That man is, that man's sick and his goofy-looking uh, girlfriend there that was sleeping with him in order to, oh, well, we're going to bring Trump to his knees and his supporters. You are messing with the wrong people. Listen, we got three good interviews coming up right now. I want to go with Bob. Bob Swick's going to come on. And then after that, Barry Schwartz's second part interview with C.V. Burton, and then we'll wrap the show up. Don't go anywhere. Freedom on Deck on 94.9. News Now Stimulator.
on Deck 94.9 News Now, and this is a guest I'm really interested in right now on the line with me. And his name is Bob Swick, and he writes a weekly blog, Swick Speak, on the issues of politics, political corruption, economic issues. Bob Swick is an adjunct professor of business, professor of economics, and has taught part-time on a college level for over 40 years. He and his wife, Brenda, also published Gridiron Greats Magazine, a quarterly publication in the history of memorabilia of football since its inception in 1869. You're somewhat of an expert on the economy. You understand how it works. You understand what's going on right now in this administration is nothing but disastrous for this country. I know you give this president probably a D, maybe even a lower, but it seems like the country is just kind of stagnant and dealing with it. As, as inflation increases, as we have gas prices going through the roof, foods going through the roof, people are losing jobs, pe- more people are, are on welfare, more people are out of work. Why is this president getting a pass, and what kind of grade do you give him, Bob? Well, I grade him basically a D- minus over an F, which is a pretty bad grade to say the least. Yeah. And the problem that we have in our uh, presidency and our economy today is an inability to understand that we need economic productivity in our economy rather than uh, government handouts, government stimulus payments, government transfer payments. And we are paying a too high of a price for non-productivity in our economy rather than paying actual for actual productivity. I'll give you two statistics which are staggering and are getting very little play in the national media mm. other than the, the traditional mentioning of it and then just kind of fluffing it off. The mm. first major statistic that is really damaging the economy is a monthly inflation rate of 8.5%. Looking at what's going on in our economy since inflation has picked up and and really accelerated since last year, we're looking at prices that are in some cases 30 to 80% higher than they were a year ago. And 8.5% inflation rate is damaging mostly to anyone who works for a living, anyone who lives on a fixed income, for example, people who are on Social Security, and the working poor. So we really don't have many other segments of our economy that are not being impacted dramatically by this inflation. And the inflation can easily be resolved to a certain degree for a variety of reasons because our inflation rate is being led by higher energy prices, which is having a a trickle-down effect in everything else that producers, consumers do in the economy. And if you could re-drill for oil, refract for natural gas in the United States, become a net exporter of energy like we were under President Trump's administration, we would see a, a major stabilization in energy prices and the inflation problem would start to subside. But if anything, President Biden feels that fossil fuels are bad for whatever reason and that somehow green energy, and in particular electric battery cars, so on and so forth, are going to resolve our nation's energy problem. And the one thing I always point out is, how does a battery get energy 
if it's not hooked up to an electrical outlet of some sort. Fossil fuels. And if that electrical outlet <laughs> is not powered by the sun or something else, it's still using fossil fuels. Yes. So it, does, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. And then the second statistic that is this mind-boggling is the producer price index reached the highest level ever in a month in the history of keeping the statistics of the producer price index, 11.2%. So that's a staggering figure that producers, manufacturers have to pass on to consumers. They can't accept any more price increases on their level or they eventually were going to go, they'll go bankrupt. They'll go out of business and there'll be even less product in the market than what we have today. And that also leads to the supply chain issues that we continue to have in our economy. And it's a, it's just an economic mess from top to bottom right now with this Democratic administration. It's, it's just mind boggling to me. I never thought in all the years I've studied economics, I, I would ever live to see a day like this where you have really have out of control inflation. And a lot of the listeners that I talk to say he's a disaster. But this is the plan. This, well, this is the plan. And it, when you look at it from their scope, not Biden himself, but from the extreme left that's behind all this, and they tell him what to say, they tell him what to do, they direct him. So this is really a directive by the globalists and the, uh, the Silicon Valley Democrats, really is what I like to call them. And this guy's just a puppet here. For example, when he was asked about the, the raise in gas prices just a few weeks back, he said, you know, this is going to give us a great chance to really move forward with green energy. I mean, it's like these people don't really think we're listening. And that's part of the problem, too. Uh, his buddy, Pete Buttigieg, says everybody get an electric car. An electric car costs $50,000. First of all, it kind of, as far as the basic American, nobody can afford that, Bob. And for Joe Biden to come out and say, well, we just got to get uh, green here. This gives us that opportunity. I mean, for people that are struggling, struggling paycheck to paycheck, it's going to be the stupidest answer you've ever heard. But he says it continuously and nobody checks him on it. And that's why I say all the time, a lot of our elected officials have a great deal of economic illiteracy. And I've always invited anyone, especially a U.S. senator, representative, or a state senator, state representative, you can sit in my class at any time and you will learn about economics, the real world of economics, that economic growth, economic stimulation, economic productivity is what has made our country great. Drive around any neighborhood in our country look at all the houses, look at the private ownership of homes, look at all the shopping plazas, all the stores, the manufacturers. We are a wealth, wealthy economy. However, for whatever reason, the Democratic Party wants to just to annihilate it. And I don't understand that. They want to gain the system so they can gain their profits and become millionaires and the like. Well, do they, they do they love do they I. love the country is the question is do they love the country or do they well, I, do they, they hate themselves. the prosperity of America? They love themselves. Yes. That's, that's, that, that's the priority. It's not economic uh, stimulation. It's not economic sacrifice. It's the 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 making sure the Nancy Pelosi's can can come up with another investment that they can 
corner of the market on and make profit on so on and so forth. You know, if you look at, look at, and I don't, I, I say this in a generalization. Yeah. Joe Biden's been in politics his entire life. He has offered little, if any type of legislation in his entire career that has advanced anything economically in our, in our country. How now by taking the left's points, talking points and being their puppet, He's, he's literally destroying the economy on a daily basis. And it, it, it's ridiculous. And I maintain, and I don't think I'm the minority anymore, I maintain it will really come to bite him at the election time uh, in November because I can see a complete tidal wave coming on. I hope so. Because when you hit people in their pocketbooks, they will respond. They will make sure they vote, and they will make sure they are not going to vote for a democratic candidate and bob we're gonna we're we're uh i did want to get into the way that they've targeted us and we'll do that next time you come on because we're gonna go with some some local after the break here uh but you know they are they're saying if you doubt the election of 2020 you're a terrorist i mean they you know the arrest they put these people behind bars for being at the event on january 6th and a, a lot of this a lot of the stuff that's going on with this I mean, if you can't think KGB when you see this stuff happening, I don't know how people are paying attention and not picking up on this stuff. This is scary, right? I agree 100%. I think it's uh, a a travesty of justice that we're seeing. This is not the America that I grew up in. This is not the America I've lived in all my life. It is wrong, inherently wrong. And sadly, when you have a state-run media that supports this kind of stuff, it's difficult to get the opposition and the opposing viewpoint of what we should be really looking at is what can we do for our country to make it better, not what we can do to ruin our country. And that's the bigger disconnect that we have uh, in our country today. I agree. Bob Swick, he's going to stick with us, guys. Weekly blog that uh, Bob does on issues in politics and political corruption. What's the name of the blog again, uh, Bob? It's swickspeakblogspot.com. Freedom on deck on 94.9 News Now and stimulating talk. I woke to a sun so bright, resting fearless, cheered by your nearness. I knew which direction was right. Was right? The case had been tried by the jury inside. The choice between darkness and light. and light when I'm looking for trouble just miles of fun but we're already welcome back to Freedom on Deck 94.9 News Now and Stimulating Talk Bob Swick author of Swift Swick Speak and that's his blog he's been doing it for 13 years when you said 13 years I was uh I'm like have they been doing blogs that long <laughs> Bob, uh, hey, I was the first one, the first <laughs> blogger. <laughs> well, listen, Richard Blumenthal, um, he's a disaster. He's in a he's in a race where we think he can get beat. What's the story with Richard Blumenthal? Well, Blumenthal's in for the race of his lifetime and a, a, a re-election campaign that's starting to really disintegrate in front of himself. Um, he's made a lot of bad political moves over the past year, which he figured he could just, you know, talk his way out of it like he normally d- does. 
but it has uh, really backfired him in a lot of ways. The first and the bigger issue that he's facing is that the award that he took from the Communist Party affiliate in New Haven, Connecticut, a few months back, uh, really is uh, imploding on him literally on a daily basis, even though it's being covered up by the state-run media to a certain degree. Many people who have ancestors that fled Eastern Europe, that fled communism, communism in Cuba, Venezuela, uh, throughout our world, are saying, how can you be that ignorant of not knowing who you got that award from? That's the first problem. The second problem is the Republican Party is finally starting to put tags on Blumenthal that he's also responsible for the economic debacle that's going on in our country with his ties with Biden and being a United States senator for so many years. Mm. So that's basically uh, imploding on him also. The Republicans finally are running several good candidates in competition with Blumenthal in the election. And again, as much as Peter Lamage is a very principled conservative, he's also getting a lot of uh, competition from the former Republican uh, State House of Representative leader, uh, Claridge, and she's running a very aggressive campaign. She's been getting some uh, very interesting endorsements that hmm. Blumenthal is very shocked that he's not getting, and there's a lot of money being poured into that election. So as much as Blumenthal is sitting on X amount of millions of dollars for, to buy his reelection, he is in serious jeopardy of losing a seat. And my, my gut feeling is people are so fed up in the Demo with the Democratic Party that he will lose, uh, not by a landslide, but he will be losing in November this election. He's going to have a tough time digging his way out of it. He will never tell the truth. His concern is to get his face in front of you daily in the newspaper, anywhere that you can, he can be seen, that his name can be mentioned. He's a man of no substance. That's the problem. And Clarence, in my opinion, when she has to be, she's a pit bull. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I, I agree. That helps her chances in the Republican Party. And it also the, the few moderate Democrats that remain in Connecticut are saying we've had it with Blumenthal. We'll vote for her. Yeah, you know, one time we were in like a chat and it was Lee's show and she was a, a guest. She got upset because she saw <laughs> I was in the feed and I said anywhere else Themis Claritas would be a Democrat. So she kind of got ticked off. But you know what? I I apologize. I didn't mean it in a bad way. I think you're right. I think she's a pimple and I think she can win. I think that's who they should run. I think that's a I think that's a good idea. I think she'll win. I, I really do. As long as we don't find any wet ballots, you know, speaking of wet ballots, uh, Mr. Lamont, he is about as boring as milk toast. He can't dance. He certainly can't lead. Bob Stefanowski, uh, Bob Swick, what does Bob Stefanowski have to do differently this time to win? Because the last time around, I think he could have tweaked a few things and probably pulled that win out. Well, my opinion, and this is what I said four years ago, he ignored completely his lieutenant governor candidate, Joe Markley, mm. which was a poor decision on his part. Yes. And I think this this time with his uh, selection of uh, Devlin as his lieutenant governor running mate, there is no primary going on. And I think he's being hammered the point. You need to stay local. You need to talk to people. You need to be active. 
and you need to be uh, a in a way there daily questioning everything Ned Lamont and his and his corrupted Democratic Party, Connecticut Democratic Party is doing. And as much as Lamont's trying to run on all the great things he did during COVID nineteen, yeah, he pocketed a lot of profit from mm-hmm. all the different schemes that were going on in his family's hedge fund. And number two, he's upset and ruined a lot of people's lives. And again, people vote with their pocketbooks. They vote economic situations. Is Connecticut better off than it was four years ago? I highly doubt it. It's been Connecticut. The people of Connecticut are great people. You know, Southwestern Connecticut coming in, meeting the listeners of 94.9 when I first started to go to the events with Lee Elsie and, and some of the great people. These people are yearning for real leadership. I really think that Bob's campaign, they need to go on overdrive. And I agree with you. This has to be local. They have to make sure they're hitting on all the high points, and they have to make sure they're getting out to the people, Bob. And they also have to not be afraid of going to Hartford, going to Waterbury, yes. going to New Haven, going to Bridgeport, go to the Big Four. Yes. And attack and say, are you really living in a safe community? Why don't you try something different? Are you, has your life changed at all in the past 30 years of democratic rule? I would venture to say no, it hasn't. And that's what he's got to attempt to, to uh, go for. Get those votes. Don't write them off. You know, show the difference between the two candidates. And he is very different than Ned Lamont. And really something that should be pointed out, too, and, and a lot of this uh, with Bob Stefanowski is the rise in crime. The anti-police narrative, uh, and also the uh, the examples outside of Connecticut that have worked, which is not any of the policies that Democrats have put forward in Connecticut, in New York, in California. These are all bad policies. These are all rising crime. These are uh, bail, no bail, set free criminals. This has to be something. And Bob Swick, I think you agree with me. He really needs to touch a tone with that. And when he's going inside of Hartford, when he's going inside of New London, he needs to be able to tell those folks, I can make your life better. I agree 100%. And what Stefanowski really should do is meet with the police chiefs of those four cities and ask them directly, Yes. what do you need from a new governor and a new administration that will help you alleviate the crime crisis that you have in Connecticut. The second thing he needs to do economically is talk to economic leaders, the CBIA and other types of groups and say, what do you need to get this state moving again? What are the bottom five states in the country for business development and taxes? Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Illinois, and California. Mm. Bottom five, all Democratic-led states, all corrupted states. It has to change. It has to change, and I think the people are yearning for it. I hope so this time around. And I I also think that one thing that uh, Bob Stefanowski missed on the ball, like you said, was going in the places that people were telling him, don't go there. We can't win there. I don't think that's true because I think people in those communities, they don't want to fear for their life when they go to get some a carton of milk. They want the police in the communities, regardless of what the uh, lefties say. That is not true. And they want to be able to work and have a functioning neighborhood. I think those are the things he kind of has to hit there. Do you, th- do you think he could pull out more votes that way? 
I think he could win easily if he attacked those four cities. And like I said, meet with the police chief immediately. Meet with people, leaders in the community. The New Haven Republican Party is dying to help and and change what is going on in their community. Help them. Reach out to them. Go and campaign with them. Don't be afraid of it. You will get votes. Things are changing dramatically. You know, I don't like bringing up Mr. Carville, but it's the economy, stupid, and the Democrats don't know how to stimulate an economy, and I don't think they really care too much to do it, Bob. Well, the, the biggest thing with the Democrats is they feel by, you know, hand-feeding hand these checks to people, the people remember, oh, gee, I, in November, i got to vote for the Democrats because I just got my $1,400 stimulus <laughs> check, even though I'm $35,000 in the hole from, the, from COVID because I didn't work or I have so many bills now or whatever. That's the type of mentality that the Republican Party needs to overcome and explain to them, this is why you're worse off. Not because of the, not because you're getting a fourteen hundred dollar check. It's because we've lost our ability to gain economic growth and economic productivity. Bob Swick, Bob, tell everybody how they get a hold of you, where they can go check you out. Uh, you can check out my SwickSpeakBlockSpot.com uh, uh, Swick and uh, just send me an email through there or a comment, and I will get back. Freedom on Deck 94.9 News Now and Stimulating Talk. Freedom on Deck, part two of the Barry Schwartz interview, the most famous man associated with the Shroud of Torin. Last week, (laughs) you're a rock star to me, as I said. And last week, we barely scratched the surface. Let's drill down on more of the evidence. What created the image? What formed the image on the Shroud, in your opinion? Well, you know, uh, that was the one question that, uh, as we mentioned in our earlier part of the interview, that our team was uh, there to try and answer. And we really don't know of a mechanism that can create an image with the chemical and physical properties that we find on the shroud. On the other hand, because no further testing has ever been allowed, and it's 44 years later, I'm not yet prepared to set aside the possibility of a natural explanation. We don't have, in other words, we don't have enough evidence to exclude the possibility of a natural explanation because uh, we've been limited in our testing to those tests that we performed 44 years ago. Think if we could now use the 21st century technology that exists where uh, even the technology we had in 78 has been more refined, is more accurate, and there are now tests that could be performed today that didn't even exist back in 1978. Um, But I would say that if there was any possibility of this being naturally formed, my guess would be, and this is based on some research that has been done, um, that there might have been some form of interaction, perhaps a chemical reaction between the cloth and the body. So that's one possible 
explanation that is a natural explanation rather than a supernatural one. Right, a natural explanation that hasn't been found yet. But, uh, well, it hasn't I, been verified. It's been proposed. Right. But uh, the testing, would, it would require us having access to the shroud again to further test that theory and several others that have been proposed. But in my mind, that's the most plausible one to date. Because remember, there's a property of that image that encodes depth or spatial right. information based on distance. It's three-dimensional. A chemical reaction could do that where some of the other proposed theories could not. I've seen people talk about how they, they've seen evidence of multiple images on the shroud as like the hand was moving. But I don't want to get into the, I don't want to get go well, get into the weeds on that right now. But the, Yeah, let me just briefly address okay. that by just saying it's the most studied artifact in history yes. now. And if that were the case, it would have been reported 100 years ago. Now, I believe that all Bible miracles have a natural explanation. I think I think the spiritual world is a natural world. It's just it's just beyond human understanding at this moment. But I, uh, I would not disagree with you on that. So, um, and also, if some phenomena happened to the shroud of Turin or the body of Christ that was a natural, it would be kind of coincidental that would happen to Jesus of Nazareth, <laughs> because we know that the man on the shroud is Jesus of Nazareth. I'm going to say it boldly because. Who else was crucified with a crown of thorns? I agree. I 100% agree with that. Look, uh, we can't exclude something beyond nature. Um, and as you've said, and as I agreed, um, why would God need to do magic tricks and go beyond the, the universe that right. we all believe he created uh, to create an image on a piece of cloth? That would be pretty easy for God, I would think. Now... What else do we see on the Shroud that corresponds to the Gospel accounts? Well, I think uh, just about everything, every bloodstain. Uh, and by the way, I should make note of the fact that the bloodstains and the image on the cloth are forensically accurate, yeah. far beyond the accuracy that any artist, particularly a medieval artist, could have ever created. So what we have here is a cloth that was somehow impacted by the body it covered, uh, it left blood stains in the places where this man had been speared and stabbed and crucified in his hands and his feet. Uh, there are scourge marks, and the scourge marks are very interesting. You know, artists over the centuries have depicted Jesus being scourged, and they show his back all shredded. Right. However, if you're standing behind somebody and take a baby step closer, some of those scourge thongs are going to come around. They're going to scourge the front of the body as well. Right. And artists never depict that, but the man of the shroud has scourge wounds, not just on his back, but on his arms and his legs and his torso, on the back and the front, making it far more realistic than any artistic endeavor has ever uh, been attempted to show and depict the wounds of Jesus. Now tell me the story about how you were convinced that the shroud was authentic. Well, there, there, you know, there... <laughs> I was fortunate enough to have access to all the science as a member of that team, of course. And so uh, I was pretty convinced after about the first 15 minutes that it wasn't a painting, because I had pulled out my 10x magnifier, started looking at the image, looking for paints or pigments or binders, the kind of things that one would expect from an artwork, and none of that exists on the shroud. So I could eliminate that one, even though our science later 
uh, formally eliminated that. My eyes told me it wasn't a painting within the first 15 or 20 minutes of having it in front of me. So I've, I've felt that the, you know, the science, having access to the science gave me a privilege. And that privilege was to have the data in front of me. And I was almost completely convinced, but no one had explained why the blood stains on the shroud remain reddish in color. Old blood historically turns black or brown very quickly. And so um, it wasn't until 1995 when I was on the phone with the third Jewish member of our team, Dr. Alan Adler, a blood chemist, that he explained to me that the uh, chemical analysis he had done of the blood stains on the shroud uh, showed a high content of bilirubin, bilirubin being a compound, uh, I think, made in the liver, pumped into the bloodstream when somebody has been tortured and hasn't been uh, given any water, so used in hypovolemic shock. And so Billy, a high content of bilirubin, bilirubin acts as a hemolytic agent that breaks down the cell walls or the red blood cells, releasing hemoglobin, and he explained that's why the blood remained red. And that was sort of the last piece of the puzzle for me. So in 1995, I crossed that threshold and accepted that the shroud was authentic. Tell me about the blood. The blood is human blood, is it not? Well, it's been determined to be human blood by Adler because it had the uh, components of blood in it, uh, the bilirubin, the hemoglobin. Um, there were other compounds uh, from human blood that were found in there. I'm sorry, off the top of my head, I don't recall the specifics of those. Again, blood isn't my area of expertise, obviously. But uh, according to Adler, who, like I said, had no horse in the race, so to speak, uh, he analyzed the stains and the materials that were, you know, that we collected in 78, and he determined that this was, in fact, human blood. And the image does not penetrate the blood. So we know that the blood had contact with the shroud before Correct. whatever caused the image happened. Correct. And so how, how do we know that? Like, if you scrape off the blood, you see no image on the cloth. Is that it? Because it didn't penetrate the blood? You got it 100% right. That's exactly the case, that there is no image under the blood stains, implying that the blood got onto the cloth first and then inhibited whatever the image formation mechanism was to keep it from creating image underneath the existing blood stain. So there is no way an artist can put blood on a shroud. That, that accurate blood. Yeah, yeah, you put human blood on a shroud that is... Uh, anatomically uh, correct to a body and then paint the body around it. That's impossible. Yeah, I, I don't and think, then and then be a negative image at the same time when the concept of neg negative images right, didn't I exist. I, I don't think we could do that with our modern computers today even. All right, that's the end of part two. Um, we like as, as I said before, we barely scratched the surface. I, so, I knew that, but hey, listen, I'm, I'm working with you to try and be <laughs> squeeze precise it all in. and... I'm watching the clock here myself, so I try and, you know, keep it within the time limit there. All right. And if you if you didn't hear part one, go back and listen to part one on freedomondeck.com. And uh, on the Internet, you're going to hear uh, a bonus 10 minutes uh, attached to this. So, Barry Schwartz, I want to thank you. Uh, you've helped change a lot of people's lives. You've brought the shroud to the forefront where it belongs. A lot of people today... I've never even heard of the Shroud of Turin, and that's a, that's a crime. And uh, I just want to thank you for all your work, for speaking out about it, 
and sharing all you know about the Shroud of Turin. And it was an honor and a privilege to speak with you today. Thank you, sir. It's truly my pleasure. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. All right. God bless. Thanks for listening. Freedom on Deck, 94.9, Fox News. Can you show me now that I would not be killed in vain? Show me just a little of your omnipresent reign. Show me if there's a reason for your wanting me to die. You're far too keen on where and how and not so hot on Welcome back to Freedom on Deck, CV. Great job. Um, I'm really looking Thank forward you. to the extended version, and we'll let everybody know them that's coming up. Before we do the rundown, we're going to start doing this with Topic Aka. I just want to say, Ron Daigle, ex-police, ex-marine, ex, uh, also the guy that went uh, basically pro bono to get Christian Saucier out of jail, who was put in jail for taking pictures of a mess hall on a submarine by the Barack Obama administration. And if you don't remember, Donald J. Trump finally uh, got everybody pardoned. And uh, one of the reasons that Chris was well represented was because of Ron and his wife, Michelle, and their lovely family. Ron had a heart attack. And uh, we, I, we did post it on social media. All of our listeners really put an out, outpouring for Ron. Uh, obviously, the patriotic listeners to this station all appreciate what Ron did. He's, he's a great man. He, he is a hero of mine. I think he's a wonderful, wonderful patriot, uh, and I wish him well. And, of course, we're praying for him. I think you, you would agree, C.V. Yes, great, safe in God's fest. Amen. Amen. There's an Adidas commercial out right now that starts talking about breaking the glass ceiling, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and they're going through, of course, color, gender, and all that. And their big one is a transgender woman competing against women. That's the big one. Now, throughout sports, throughout the Olympics, professional sports, this has become something that is becoming weirdly socially acceptable and if you take a stand against it people kind of push back um i never expected it would get this bad cv yeah where that you would have a commercial from some out leftist outlet like adidas saying hey man this is a, a dude he's going against women but he's breaking the ceiling embarrassing ah i i mocked this story uh this whole topic because i thought you know, what is the percentage of transgender right. people trying to get into women's sports? It has to be 0. 0.00001% yeah, uh, right. of the entire, uh, the entire sports population. And then, then it's becoming more and more in, in your face, in your, it's like, like the throwing sawdust in your eyes. And it's making yeah. me think that they're being put up to it. I feel like they're being put up to it just to put just to poke our eye or taking advantage of what's going on. I mean, listen, they, they want to get into women's locker rooms. They want to get into women's uh, bathrooms. 
there's also Dana Loesch was talking about this today. Excuse me, Dana Lash. Uh, and she was talking about the fact that there's this uh, one man who was a serial rapist, identified as a woman, CV. They put him in the women's jail, and he raped one of the women. And this this is happening in this country right now, man. Mm-hmm. This is sick. It reminds sick, so. me of the kid in in uh, in high school who was wearing a dress and raped uh, one of the students yes. in the bathroom, and they the they, they swept it under the rug and sent him to a different school so he can do it again. And did yep. you hear the story that women in jail are getting knocked up? In yes. wi- In women's jails, they're getting pregnant because... You put it up on Freedom on Deck, I think. Yeah. You put it in the news section. Yeah, because transgenders, uh, because, uh, you know, as uh, Judge Jackson says, she can't define what a woman is. So if right. uh, if you identify as a woman and you commit a serious crime and you're thrown in jail, you're going to be thrown into the women's jail where you can procreate and have children. Apparently, this is what's happening. <laughs> so, so, so the truth is, and the truth, you were right when you said this has to be a small percentage. The fact of the matter is, these people don't identify as women. They're using this in order to either a get ahead in. These sports, B, go in the bathrooms, uh, rape yeah. women, you know, all these uh, disgusting things that they're ending up doing. And, you know, you see men with beards on, with a mini skirt on. <laughs> I was telling you about that I episode saw a clip on of that on, a, Phil. on YouTube. There was a guy with a full beard, a long beard, wearing a mini skirt that was so short that he was flashing people when he sat down oh and people were God. complaining that he wasn't wearing underwear. And, and oh so, somebody working at the airport insisted that he put on pants and he's like, I have a right, I, I'm wearing underwear. And she's like, what do you want, what do you want to sh- me to show you? That's, that's illegal. What you're asking oh. me to do. Oh my God. These people are they insane. They <laughs> are. They're, they're insane. They're psychopaths, but everybody's insane. Yeah. And I mean, that you know, don't we worry about children anymore? No, obviously not, because the left, many on the left, the Democrats, liberals, and other outs, you know, very out there type of people, they want to sexualize children. It's pretty obvious. And if you talk to somebody that's a normal Democrat leaning, you know, there are, there are still good folks that vote democrat they just don't understand oh that yeah they're, and they're what, bailing what, what's going and they're on. bailing on biden and they're they're gonna vote donald trump in 24 and I when, guarantee but, you. but but with a lot of people you know when i bring up this this debauchery and the way that they're using children they just they don't want to talk about it but it's happening and you know there was a little push then even a couple days ago uh when i called in lee lee was like you know man these it, it's starting to become obvious that the left are are making children sexual items. Yeah. And he, and and let me tell you something. Lee never used to it. He kind of like stayed away from that. That shows me that people are starting to open their eyes and say there's something really bad happening here. Yeah. The people who used to talk about these conspiracies were called conspiracy theorists. Wear your tinfoil hat. And then when it all comes true, then it becomes common knowledge. I don't I don't have anything against somebody that honestly in their own body feels uncomfortable. Yes, you're, and what CV says when he says the 0.0.1%, that's what he's talking about. Of course that exists. 
the more celebrated you are for being so sick and so demented as to the way that we see that these children are are being brought to like gay bars. Remember the story of the the kid in Brooklyn mm-hmm. that went in there and he he went up and was dancing and getting the dollar yeah, bills yeah. Mm-hmm. at this gay bar, and then the mother and father, the lefties that were bringing him there, all of a sudden said, "Oh my God, there's pedophiles trying to uh, talk to my son online." Oh wow, really shocking. Wouldn't have guessed that would ever happen. And uh, other people are making good points, like salty. Anybody knows salty? Re, yeah. re, re. I for the longest time yeah, I didn't yeah, understand yeah. the joke, re. But whatever. Yeah. He was making a good point that these people, the teachers in the school and the teachers union that are pushing this sexualization on young children from kindergarten up are are they're doing that to groom them. They yes. they are they are putting amnesty between them and their parents. Yes. And and they're saying don't you don't have to talk about it to your parents if you don't want to if you want want to identify as a girl at school you don't have to say it to your parents you know your parents are bad they're they're not raising you right we're we're going to help raise you right and meanwhile and they're sexualizing them why because they're 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 grooming them for sexual purposes for their own lustful disgusting depravity there was a a uh a California public school outskirts of California, I think next to Sacramento, where there was a 12 year old that was being given drugs in order to alter their bio, you know, their bio. And then, and to, I think it was a young male that wanted to be a, a woman without the parents' consent and was getting these drugs. We're re- receiving them. Yeah. How the hell does that happen? And then they go see a psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist is in on it. And he's like, you know what? You're a woman trapped in a, in a five-year-old's body. We're going to give you hormone inhibitors. Yeah. And uh, it's not funny. I, I, it's, I know. It's, I'm it, laughing because it's, it's so ridiculous. It's insane. It really is. And the, and the more you do that, you know, I when we... Xander and then they and chop off this- their breasts, and they get... And they, I, one 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 person put an ovary in a bottle and put and and, yes. and and posted it online and was proud of it that she can't you know, have it, children anymore. Right, they're sick, and you know, like, and God rest his soul, Xander. He used to come when he would come on when he did his own show. He would say to these people, "Stay away from me. I don't want anything to do with you. I don't support you. Stay away. Stop telling me how to how to feel and what I should do." This is why I miss him because he was so right. Just because maybe if you're a gay American, you know what, man? There are a lot of gay Americans out there that want nothing to do with that LGBTQ, LMNOP alphabet group cv great job man thanks uh next week same same freedom time same freedom channel hey happy passover and 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 happy resurrection day yep same to you and for all our listeners have a great 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 easter sunday resurrection day as even said and we'll talk to you next time same freedom channel same freedom time here with freedom on deck god bless america